Hello and welcome to this edition of the Matt Adams Podcast, coming to you semi-live from the southeast side of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Matt Adams, and with me, as always, as usual, most of the time, <laughs> special correspondent Ann Adams. Hello. We we don't have, like, a big slam-bang show today, so we're just going to kind of hit a few different topics. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times we'll talk for something about an hour or 45 minutes or so, and... Then we'll get into our special segment about what we're reading and what we're writing. And usually it's an extended thing, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to, and who knows, maybe by the time we look at the recording and it's all done and we're like, oh my, it's three hours, but I don't We've think. We've had that happen before. We've had that happen before. <laughs> but the, the first thing we're going to discuss is we've got a new X-Men movie coming out. X-Men Dark Phoenix opens this weekend. Some of the reviews have started to come out and they're not, they're not terrific on that. But I, I thought that we would just sort of talk about the X-Men series as a whole because I knew that there were a lot of movies, but until I actually counted them up, I, I just I didn't realize what the total was. And uh, if you count Dark Phoenix and an unreleased movie that's supposed to be out next year, this series is going to have 13 movies in it. And wow. it started in 2000. Now, they, they never released them at the clip that they released the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in, where sometimes you get two or three movies a year out of the Marvel movies. I don't think they ever did that with the X-Men movies. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Let me just go real quick through the release order and the release year. Uh, there was X-Men was the original, and it sort of kicked off uh, a wave of superhero movies along with the Spider-Man. They were financially successful, and I don't know that we would be where we are today with superhero movies if it hadn't been for, like, X-Men and Spider-Man because they kind of primed the charge for things. Now, that was out in 2000. Its sequel, X2, X-Men United, was 2003. X3, The Last Stand, was in 2006. And then they went to prequel with X-Men Origins Wolverine in 2009. They rebooted it with X-Men First Class in 2011. The Wolverine, another Hugh Jackman-led movie, 2013. X-Men Days of Future Past, 2014. Deadpool in 2016, X-Men Apocalypse also in 2016, Logan 2017, Deadpool 2 2018, Dark Phoenix coming out this year 2019, and then New Mutants slated to be coming out in 2020. And it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting list because really, honestly, I mean, the Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine definitely counts as an X-Men movie. Yeah. But... Really, in the mainstream X-Men movies, you have this gap between X-Men 3, The Last Stand, and then X-Men First Class when they rebooted it. So they, they did release the Wolverine in there. They kept Hugh Jackman, but they did not do anything. Or they released X-Men Origins Wolverine. They kept Hugh Jackman, but they didn't do anything with like Professor X or any of the other characters until they went back and did First Class. Yeah, I mean, and obviously they had a little bit of a cash cow with Wolverine because he was one of the most popular characters from X-Men. But, so, it makes sense that they wanted to do Wolverine and then the Wolverine, which, okay. Yeah, whatever. And then, <laughs> and then Logan, which was really good. But it just, God bless X-Men. Like you said, I love the X-Men. It was one of the first of the superhero movies. But at the same time, like you said, they didn't release the movies at a good clip. They weren't 
organized in no, any way. Gosh, no, they weren't. The timeline is everywhere. All over the place. All over the and place. And it's always like, what is considered quote unquote canon and what isn't, you know, is, is this whole, you know, um, is this new, like, is, does Dark Phoenix kind of bring out a new reboot now that Disney, is it Disney that's taking yep. over? Disney bought Fox. So. And so it's like, what's going to happen now? And and then you were talking about New Mutants, which I had not heard of yet, but you were telling me it's supposed to be like a horror movie. Yeah, it's supposed I, I to just, be. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you, you look I'm at this so list. Confused. And it, it is really just a hodgepodge, I mean, with what 20th Century Fox has done with the X-Men franchise. I'm not suggesting that they've treated it poorly because there have been some very good movies in here. Oh, definitely. But they don't have the, the care and consistency of, like, the Marvel Cinematic no. Universe, which they have clearly laid a, a groundwork for. And they want to keep a certain type of tone for those movies. And, yeah, they do different things in each one. But there's consistency to them, and they, they try to build on their timeline. With X-Men, they just they don't care. Well, I think, like you said, the hard part about them being among the first of the superhero movies was that they didn't realize that there was such a kind of a hunger for that. And so when the first X-Men did well, and then they did the second one, and then by, like, you know, by the time you had, like, two, 2008 with Iron Man and some of the other um, superhero movies that were coming out, it was just all of a sudden it just sort of blossomed and next thing you know, they had a runaway train, but of course, you know, you can't control a runaway train. You just sort of try to make the most of it. And I think they just tried to churn out as many movies as they could, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a crazy train. And, and I really like, I mean, there are movies in here that I'll, I'll tell you, I don't like it, but I, I'll, I'll sit down on occasion and watch X-Men Origins Wolverine. But it's not a good movie. No. Like, it's not. The only reason that it's entertaining at all is because Hugh Jackman's so good in that role. And, you know, just like the other X-Men movies, <laughs> the worst part about the Wolverine movies is there are three different movies with three different... It's almost like he has a different origin story every time we see him. And, you know, he's like, you're in the future, you're in the past, you know, you're in the present. And then, you know, and it's then, just... And then you've been spun off into, I think, an alternate future, you know, for Logan. Oh, my God. It's just, it's crazy. But, you know, the thing is, is I really wish that they would have focused on other characters besides... I mean, now they are with, you know, Deadpool and Dark Phoenix. But they really have focused mainly on Wolverine. And it's like, it's almost like they had the first Wolverine movie and then they're like, oh, let's make it better. And then it's like, and then they's like, oh, well, that one was crap. So let's try and do it again. And we did Logan. And it was like, they should have just gone with something different. Well, it's just so weird. Like, I mean, that those Wolverine movies form their own little sort of three movie trilogy, but there's not really like any connections to them. You know, Wolverine Origins or X-Men Origins Wolverine's all over the place. Mm -hmm. and, like, doesn't really fit in with the timeline of a lot of things that they establish. The Wolverine is really different from that movie and is pretty serious in tone. It's actually a pretty good movie for about 80% of it, and then it falls apart at the end when they've kind of set this as sort of a more grounded type of movie, and, and then, like, at the end, Wolverine fights a giant guy in a robot suit. <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of ruined that. And then Logan, you know, they nailed it. They kind of kept that tone from Wolverine. 
uh, but they made it more of a Western. Uh, they kept it serious and, and grim, and it wasn't the most... It's sort of an emotionally draining movie to watch. Like, it is. Logan's not one that you just want to, oh, hey, it's a Tuesday, I'm going to pull out Logan and watch that. <laughs> you kind of have to get yourself ready for that one, but it's a really good movie, and it's so different, even though the director of Logan's the same one who did The Wolverine. You know, so that's weird. And then, technically speaking, I mean, you include Deadpool in this X-Men universe because we see Colossus in those movies and everything. And he is part of it. They reference the X-Mansion and stuff, and they, they have fun with it. But tonally speaking, it, it doesn't fit in with anything else, but it's still considered to be part of that universe. You know, for me, they really lost it with X3 The Last Stand. I really love the first X-Men movie. X-Men 2 is great as well, I think. X3 should have been really good. Yeah. But the runtime's pretty short for an X-Men movie, and they kind of just put try to cram like three or four different storylines from the comic books into that movie. They didn't do anything really well. There's some neat stuff in there, but you know, like Kelsey Grammer's Beast and that's really good. Yeah. Uh, but he's not in it very much. No. And he should have been in it more, I think. Um, Ellen Page is really good in there as uh, shoot uh, Kitty Pride is she's good in that and there's some other stuff that's that's good in that but you know they, they just sort of rushed there's been a lot of story rushing to story points lately it feels like but they sort of rushed to to get the whole Dark Phoenix thing done but they also combined it with a storyline story about like a mutant cure and it just it just didn't work real well for me, and that's why there were like five years in between sort of the main Marvel, or the main X-Men movies, is because after The Last Stand, which critically was not a not a very well-received movie, but from a box office standpoint did fine, did really well. I think a lot of people, and I remember we went to that movie and, and, and gosh, that's been 13 years ago. Oh my gosh, that's really hard to imagine. I, I just remember kind of walking out of that and going, man, I didn't think that was very good, you know. I just I was disappointed because the the I thought the first couple of X-Men movies set the bar pretty high. Now, some people are, you know, are saying in retrospect that the, the X3 is not that bad and that that it, that it's not that much that it's not dissimilar from the other two X-Men movies that preceded it and everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I I kind of disagree with that. I just didn't think it was a very solid movie. None of the ideas were well formulated. And uh, that was also one of the times we saw some de-aging. Um, yes. They, they de-aged uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in that movie. Not the best effort. <laughs> but kind of funny is Patrick Stewart's got that cameo in X-Men War Origins Wolverine that makes no sense. And the de-aging in that looks worse than it did in X3 The Last Stand, which is a movie that came out three years later. So you would think that it would be better. But, I mean, it just everything looks super rubbery and very too smooth everything's too smooth and just computery and it just it, it doesn't work and then you you contrast that today you you remember when they did uh the the, the tron sequel tron legacy and they tried to put jeff bridges as a de-aged and the, the technology wasn't there yet it looked terrible but now as we've mentioned on the show before with like the michael douglas stuff and ant-man and the kurt russell stuff and guardians of the galaxy volume 2 and you know some of the de-aging things that we've seen now they're getting there with that technology. But and I guess they had to have sort of these stumbles and sort of these things have to be in their infancy, infancy before they, they do them well, but they, they did not do them well in those movies. <laughs> uh, but uh, do you have, um, do you have a favorite of, of any of these? And I mean, obviously I like the first X-Men. 
I thought X-Men First Class was okay. I thought it was neat to kind of go back in time and see, you know, the um, original X-Men, especially when Charles Xavier and Eric were first starting out. I, you know, I, I don't know if there's like an absolute favorite that I have. I, I think I sort of love them all equally. Obviously, there are some that were, well, you know, better done than others. Oh, for sure. I mean, X-Men was really good. X-Men United was good. Last Stand, I remember we were kind of lukewarm on. Yeah. We weren't real thrilled with the Wolverine movies. I thought First Class was good. Days of Future Past was really good. I mean, obviously, the Deadpool movies are great. Um, Apocalypse was all right. I don't know. We're we're definitely going to go see Dark Phoenix. We really did like Logan. Yeah, Logan was good. Logan. Was I don't really know good. about going to see New Mutants. That could be, maybe that'll be a blockbuster night. Yeah, we might. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really like horror movies anyway that much, and I just have but to see. It doesn't kinda, make it is. sense to make a. I don't know. Maybe it does to other people, but to me, it doesn't make sense to make a comic book movie into like a horror movie. I don't know. Well, it's it's a flexible genre. I mean, you know, you can have like spy movies, and you can have like big adventures and you can have like family dramas in a superhero um you can have stuff that's more crime focused stuff that's more space based and cosmic and you can also get into the paranormal and the supernatural and the horror elements so it's it's flexible it's just they really haven't done anything like that with this universe before so it's been a troubled movie you know it's just kind of like fox hasn't had a real good you know everybody the the continuity of the x-men movies is it's just a mess like just a complete and total mess. Uh, some characters were introduced, like okay, for example, in X Men Three, they introduced Angel. Uh, you know the guy with the wings. Oh, ben yeah. Foster played him in that movie. Well, that movie takes place in what was in that time's present day. But then when we go back in time to like X Men Apocalypse, Angel's like the same age that he was in X Three. A different actor. Is it a different character? We don't know. We don't care you know uh with with our continuity i love that we don't know we don't care <laughs> it's just that's kind of the fox thing they just they, they just sort of feed you these movies and they don't really put a lot of it's not that the movies most of them are well made there are some exceptions but people gave it the old college try at the very least and and the people making the movies cared about them but like fox itself they, they didn't have any type of master plan to make the movies sort of uniform and all fit together and I mean, honestly, X X three The Last Stand was so poorly received that they completely rebooted the franchise in 2011 with that younger cast with First Class, and and then essentially X Men Days of Future Past erases everything that happened in The Last Stand and pretty much takes those original X Men movies kind of out of the continuity. Yeah, that's what I had read was that that was sort of their do over, but right. it was like. It wasn't a really good attempt at a do-over. I mean, the movies were, themselves were okay, and it was, you know, like, if you're fans of the comics, it was really cool to go back in time and see, you know, what transpired. It well, just was not that thrilling. X-Men Days of Future Past is probably by far my favorite of the X-Men movies, then probably closely followed by X2. X-Men United, I think, is really solid, so those are probably my two favorites. And again, while Logan is in that universe... I don't really consider it to be an X-Men movie. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I kind of break them out by, you know, your Wolverine 
movies, your Deadpool movies, and then you kind of have your X-Men First Class and its offshoots with First Class and Days of Future Past and Apocalypse and now Dark Phoenix. They're kind of their own thing. So they're, they're, But they're all together and they all tell the story of many of the same characters. So it's, just, it's a weird universe that they have set up. Yeah. So New Mutants, and we, we got to it in the pre-show while we were putting together our show notes, New Mutants is this movie that, that they're putting out, and it's supposed to be more of a thriller, like horror type of movie. It's supposed to be kind of scary. They've actually released a trailer for it uh, a year or so ago, and it was supposed to be out, like, I think in 2018, and then it got pushed back to 2019, and then it got pushed back again to 2020. It's had some reshoots and stuff. So I'm not sure what the filming schedule was with Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, but New Mutants has just been kind of this project that they've done, and they've spent... 20th Century Fox spent the money to do it, but now the movie is under Disney's umbrella because Disney will be doing the distribution and all that stuff. So it's it's a weird situation. There were some rumors uh, while this acquisition was going through when Disney was buying 20th Century Fox that, that Disney was maybe going to put like the, the X-Men, uh, Dark Phoenix, and or New Mutants onto Hulu and just bake those directly on those platforms because they weren't sure, they weren't confident maybe in what they would get out of the box office numbers. Now, the thing is, by releasing the movies theatrically, Disney really doesn't have any financial risk in this because the people who paid for the movies to make them were 20th Century Fox. So while, yes, Disney paid money to buy 20th Century Fox, this the, the amount of money that they spent that 20th Century Fox to make these movies would be minuscule next to the amount of money that was spent on that merger. So, you know, Disney's is probably trying to make back whatever money they can from them. And the unfortunate part is that X3 wasn't really well received, and they did the Dark Phoenix storyline. And it really hasn't been... I mean, I know I said it's been 13 years ago, but I still feel that that's fairly recent. Yeah. And they're doing the Dark Phoenix storyline again. It's very weird, but they're it's almost like they did it for the first trilogy and now since, you know, first class was sort of their do-over, they're trying it again. Yeah, they're trying it's it like, again. Like I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll love it and everybody else will think it's crap. But I don't know. Do you know uh what's the direction that Disney is planning on taking X-Men? Th- There've been a lot of rumors about where they're going to do that i mean there were a lot of uh people who were hopeful that there would be some sort of nod to because not not only when they bought uh 20th century fox did they get the x-men franchise they also got the fantastic four back oh yeah so that'd uh, be cool if they re-released the fantastic four because again another franchise that really got screwed right yeah i mean they had an okay first movie and then the sequel i remember we went to see it the rise of the silver surfer we didn't enjoy that very much and then they, they truly, you know, sometimes these contracts, a lot of these rights contracts are tied to, do you have a movie in production? And so 20th Century Fox, seeing how big, how much money these superhero movies made, did not want to get rid of the Fantastic Four franchise. So they released that terrible movie a few years ago, and it was a mess. And the only reason that movie exists is because if they didn't release a movie and have one in production, then they would lose the rights. They reverted back to Marvel. So that's the whole reason that movie even existed, and you could tell nobody really had Gave any it. idea what they were doing with that movie. <laughs> no one even cared what they were doing. You know, you got Kate Mara in one scene, and then clearly she's wearing a different wig right in the same scene in the next shot. I mean, it's it's bad. Wow. Bad stuff. So anyway, I get that, that being said, there were a lot of people who were hopeful that Endgame, 
you know, that there would be some sort of post-credits teaser that would uh, show, like, the Baxter Building, which is the, the, the headquarters of the, the Fantastic Four in New York, or that they would allude somehow to mutants or Wolverine or something like that. And clearly, Endgame wasn't really set... I mean, Endgame sets up the MCU, but it's not meant to tease ahead, really, to much of anything. Uh, what it does give us is the idea of alternate universes and that there are parallel dimensions that can exist at the same time and be similar to each other, but be kind of different still, that, you know, maybe they can play around with that idea a little bit to integrate the X-Men or to integrate the Fantastic Four. But what I've heard from, you know, because they do have, like, their next six movies planned out. They have not announced them yet. That's supposed to happen at Comic-Con next month. Uh, where they're going to tell you what the slate is, but we do know they're already filming the Black Widow movie. They're going to do Shang-Chi, which is sort of a martial arts hero. They're going to do uh, supposedly doing a movie on him. They're supposedly doing a movie on the Eternals, which are sort of these godlike figures in the Marvel Universe. I'm not sure how that all fits in with the MCU, but they've given me no reason to distrust them or not, you know, because they've done such a good job. My point is the next five years of the MCU are pretty well sketched out by Kevin Feige and his people. So I don't think we're going to see the X-Men or the Fantastic Four within the next four or five years because they want to get this other stuff out of the way first. They've Not out of the way, but they want to, they've got these movies in production. They have writers and directors and actors attached to these movies. They're going to get those out first. And then I think they will slowly integrate the, the mutant universe and the Fantastic Four into the greater MCU. Interesting. And they've got a lot of ways they can do that. They can go the route of, like I mentioned earlier, multiple dimensions, multiple universes where, you know, maybe the Fantastic Four existed in an alternate Earth reality and somehow comes into contact with the reality that's the MCU proper. They, they could also, for the X-Men, you know, maybe the events of Endgame in a subtle way set things up because the world's so different now. Maybe something that happened with the snap, maybe a certain percentage of the population starts exhibiting, you know, powers and, and stuff like that. Uh, some sort of a mutation as a, an effect of being uh, the Infinity Stone being used. And, and so we start seeing these type of people pop up. That's another way that they can do it. And, and the way that it was kind of working before the, the Fox and Disney deal went is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe introduced the Inhumans, which they're mutants. Disney was not, the Disney Marvel movies were not allowed to say the word mutant because uh. that is tied in with the X-Men. So Inhumans are pretty much just mutants. They have special powers and abilities and stuff like that. And I think that was how, for a little while, I think that was the way they were going to try to integrate, not, not the X-Men characters specifically, but X-Men-like characters with mutants and special powers and stuff like that into the main MCU. That ended up Kevin Feige seized control of the universe. Inhumans was supposed to be a theatrically released movie. Instead, it was a miniseries on ABC that I guess was horrible. It's the only MCU thing I've never watched. Really? Well, that's not true, because there are a couple offshoot uh, cable shows that I have not watched, like Cloak and Dagger, I think, is supposed to be set in the MCU, and there's a show on Hulu called The Runaways that's also supposed to be uh, Marvel-based. I heard Inhumans was terrible. I actually DVR'd it, and I was going to watch it, but I just uh, people said the special effects were bad, the characters were boring, the story was bad. They kind of punted on that. I think Kevin Feige decided he wasn't going to do that. I don't know if he was banking on them getting the rights to the X-Men back, or if he just didn't like the Inhumans, or he didn't think they had the, bra the brand cachet 
that, you know, because really, other than hardcore comic book fans, a lot of people don't know who the Inhumans are. Even though they tried to put a, a, put a push of them into the comic books in recent years, a lot of people just don't know the characters and don't care about them like they would care about uh, Professor X and Wolverine and, and sure. Cyclops and stuff like that. They, they've got some options, but I don't think we're really going to know the answer to that in probably three or four years when they start looking at their next phase of movies and how they're going to do stuff. And maybe we'll get some clues. I mean, we've got a new Spider-Man movie coming out next month. And I did you see the trailer where the bad guy, uh, well, I don't know if he's a bad guy or a good guy, but Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh-huh. tells Peter Parker... You know, I wish we had a hero like you in my dimension. Oh. In, in my universe. He, he's claiming that he's from a parallel Earth that sort of broke apart when Thanos did the snap and stuff like oh, that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm, I have not seen the most okay. recent trailers, so. But Mysterio in the comic books is also a notorious liar. So he could be playing with, you know. They, they could, what would be great for the MCU is if they did what, they didn't do what everybody expected. And they actually had that Mysterio character be a heroic character as opposed to the comic book version of him that's the the most well-known one, which he's a special effects artist who Uh. pretty much goes crazy and can manipulate... Uh, he makes illusions, basically, with holograms and stuff like that. And But he's always a notorious liar in the comic books. So it would be a nice twist... If instead of having him be a liar and really being a bad guy, if they had him be uh, an actual hero, that that would be an interesting, uh, because you'd be giving the audience something that they wouldn't expect, at least the, the comic book going audience. Yeah. We might get some answers to how they're going to handle that, but I wouldn't expect them very soon, I guess. It's all going to be, going to be a lot of speculation. But the thing is, Feige and the people at uh, that, that put the Marvel Cinematic Universe together, they've done a great job. I mean, up through in-game, they've done a terrific job with stuff, and I have a lot of trust in them, and I, I think they'll handle the X-Men and the Fantastic Four well, and I think they'll figure out a way to integrate them into the main MCU. Or maybe maybe Kevin Feige, Feige looks at things, and he's like, you know what, I love the X-Men and the characters, but I don't think they fit in with Falcon and Bucky and all these other characters. Maybe we do spin them off into their own universe maybe they do do that i don't know be interesting to see what they do going forward that'll sort of wrap up our x-men conversation which you know we thought we might be able to get about 20 or 30 minutes out of that and i think i talked so much that we got there (laughs) no i'm I'm happy the x-men are under kevin feige's direction because they'll figure out something really cool to do with them yeah you know but it it will mean like we'll get a new wolverine you know we'll get a new probably Professor Xavier and a new Cyclops and you know you're just going to kind of recycle those characters unless they go real deep into the pool and bring out some different people I don't know and then one thing they have said is they're not going to really make any changes with Deadpool because those movies have been well received by fans well received critically and they've been financially successful so they're gonna you know they're gonna keep the R-rated Deadpool intact Wow. Because one of the popular rumors last week, and it has been debunked, but one of the popular rumors last week was that now that Disney had control of Deadpool, that they wanted to integrate him in with Spider-Man in the next Spider-Man movie. And I'm just like, I don't think that works at all. 
No. Two completely different audiences, I think. Two completely different audiences, different tones. But it's a good way to kind of reach different people that are interested in different things, different types of superheroes. I still haven't seen it. I'd like to see the Once Upon a Deadpool. They, they took Deadpool 2. And they re-released oh, it. that's right. Like with in the, the PG-13. Yeah, and did a PG-13 version yeah, of it. Yeah, okay. And it's sort of a frame story, sort of like the Princess Bride. And oh they my brought God. Fred Savage back. <laughs> I was uh, I was on vacation. I was going to go see that. And I don't know if you'll remember, but oh, my uh, right. check engine light came on. And so yeah. I decided I'd better, not, uh, I'd better take the car and get it healthy instead of, you know, going to the movies. So I, I made a somewhat responsible decision that day. <laughs> Well, we'll have to see if we can track it down and watch it. I think it might be on HBO soon. Hmm. Um, you know, that's an option. We we do HBO now because we wanted to watch Game of Thrones. And there's still some pretty good stuff on there. So we'll probably continue to subscribe for a little while. But they do, you know, if you, if you don't get to the video store, and which we haven't been in a while because Family Video has been sending me a lot of rent one, get one free emails saying, we miss you. Um <laughs> But if you don't get to the video store... We may have to get over there and yeah. see some stuff. HBO is a good venue for it. Like, we never rented A Star is Born. I think that's on HBO. And for some reason, I really want to see that movie. So we'll probably sit down and watch it sometime. I would like to see it, too. I've heard it's very good. You know, now that we're, we're talking about movies, uh, it's been a little while since we've seen one. Oh, my gosh. I am having withdrawals. It's, it's, it's been, been a what, very probably long three, time. three weeks, maybe a month. I think it's been longer than a month. It feels like it's been longer than a month. I mean, we saw Endgame, and it's in its... We only saw that on opening weekend, and I don't remember if we saw anything after that or not. I don't, I don't think, think we so. have. I don't think we've seen anything since Endgame. Well, it, we've been busy. I mean, we, we had your, your cousin's graduation. You know, we had race weekend for the Indy 500, which was a truncated weekend for me. Last weekend, I had to work on Sunday, and I went to a ball game with my brother, so... You know, we just haven't, and there were a couple times you had to work, and yeah. it's just not been real clean for us to be able to go out and go to the movies, and we do it during the week sometimes, and we just haven't really felt the gumption to do that either, so. No, although we may be, like, fancy cool people and go, like, on a Friday night late. Yeah, let's see, what was, the, was there the 10.30 Aladdin showing, is that yeah, what I said on Friday? Yeah, that's the one, yeah, you said, oh, there's, like, a 9.30 Aladdin, I said, Typical me, I'm getting old. I'm like, at night? At night? <laughs> Instead of 9.30 a.m.? Isn't that bad when you're old enough that you will definitely go to a 9.30 a.m. show over a 9.30 p.m. show? <laughs> wow. Well, some of the, the movie theaters like AMC and I think Regal does it too, where they have like the, the summer kids movies uh, during the week and they're really cheap. I remember that because mo mo most of them the are like, theater. you know, most of them are. Well, they're all re-releases. Some of oh, them yeah. are older. Some of them are more recent. Uh, but those movies start at 10 o'clock. And I thought, oh, man, that'd be fun to go to that. I do not miss those. I do not miss those little popcorns all over the place. Oh, is it time for <sighs> Tales from the Movie Theater? Oh, my God. I don't miss the kid show, summer shows, or what do they call it? We used to call it, like, AMC Summer Camp or something like that. Yeah, something like and that. And it was just, oh, it was a nightmare. It was, like, Wednesdays in the morning, and I just remember I used to have to get up early and be there and then all these little kids would come in the door and they got like a little, they had like a little drink, little popcorn, little, uh, basically a little everything, like a little candy 
And then they'd go see the movie. And then, I mean, the place was just trashed. Is like like a hundred Tasmanian devils had gone through Pretty there much. and sprayed popcorn all around God the place? God bless them. Pretty much. Yeah. As much as I love children. And you know, I love children. Uh, and does. She does. I, I am a big fan of little people. She worked at the Children's Museum here in Indianapolis for a long time. Voluntarily. So yeah. <laughs> Voluntarily, I stayed there for almost 10 years. And it wasn't just because I couldn't find another job. I genuinely enjoyed it. But that, I think that was the only time that I absolutely just could not handle kids. I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, you just walk in the in there and it was just, the place was completely trashed. Anyway, <laughs> end of Tales from the Movie Theater. No, I always like to, I always like to remind viewers that you worked at the movie theaters just every once in a while, just to remind people that those people that work at the movie theaters are human beings and you should try to make life a little less hard for them because there are people who are already making it very difficult for them. I always tell people if you ever want to know how to treat people in this world, number one, work in a movie theater. Number two, work as a waiter or a waitress. I mean, it's just, it's very important that people have those life skills. I say that to people that want their teenagers to get jobs you know, and I just tell them, make them do something in the service business because nothing will give you more appreciation for what everyone in this world does than having a service job or being in customer service. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 some odd years. Don't get me wrong. I love people, but some days, some days I just can't handle it. <laughs> I can't even handle it via Facebook with... <laughs> With my job some days. <laughs> Matt is one of those that I'm a people person. Matt is kind of the one person that he would want to be behind a desk in a cubicle with no one talking to him. Everyone just leaving him alone. You have those days where you just don't even like you. They have you on the phone at Fox and you're you come home and you're like, I don't know how you talk to people every day. He's like, I can't I can't even answer the phone. It's it's ridiculous. People call and they're so dumb. <laughs> it's like, I know. You just get used to it. Well, it. It's like this. Okay. For those of you who live in the Indianapolis area, and then for those of you who don't, may not get the context on this, but I'll try to explain. The Indianapolis 500 is blacked out in the Indianapolis TV market. You oh, cannot no. watch it here in <laughs> Indianapolis. It's been that way since the 1950s. When they put that blackout in place. They didn't black out the race one time. In all that time. And that was in 2016. Which admittedly was three years ago. And that was because the they sold out that race. They sold out all their general seating. And so they thought since we sold out. We can't get any more people here at the track. General admission's done. So we're going to go ahead and show that race on TV. And that was big stuff. Like growing up in Indianapolis. You just got used to either going to the race or listening to the race live, or you waited till the evening to go home and watch the race. I mean, that was just a fact of life. And I just remember when it was broadcast live, it was like, what sort of twilight zone are we living in? <laughs> and it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a double twilight zone because I grew up near Richmond, Indiana, we got Dayton TV stations, so we had the Dayton ABC oh, yeah, affiliate. You guys, so I yeah. grew up watching the race every year until I came here to Indianapolis. Then voila, I was like, where's the race? 
But people who've lived in this area know that the race is not on TV. And it's hardly, it's never been on TV except for one time. Yet we had people emailing us, calling us, sending us messages on Facebook about when's the race on TV, what channel's the race on, is the race going to air live this year? And it's just like, no, it's not going to air. And then, then they get mad at us. They get mad at my TV station because we're not showing the race live when we wouldn't be able to show the race live anyway, even if you could show the race live, because we're not in the network showing the race. <laughs> it's on NBC. It's not on either of the stations that I work for. It's just like you, you, you get bombarded with these messages on race weekend, and it happens every year. It's happened every year that I worked at the, worked at the TV station. I just, I, you know, I'm very polite to people. I'm nice. I respond in a nice manner. But you can just, like, you could just feel me just pounding on the keyboard as I'm, like, emailing people back. Because I just can't, I just can't take it. Because yeah. I just, you know, and then I'm just like, sometimes I'm just like, what would Anne do? How would Anne respond to this person? <laughs> Not how does Matt want to respond to this person, <laughs> but how would Anne respond to this person? And that is why we still have viewers. <laughs> <laughs> So just just a little slice of life in the TV That's business funny. sometimes. <laughs> I remember when you came home that night. It's a long day for him on Sunday. Yeah, it is. It's Race long Sunday. One. We always go to the store and and get snacks. And basically, we give him his sur- get him his survival kit. And because he can't really, it's just him there. He mm-hmm. can't really take a lunch break. So. We get him, I ply him full of snacks, and I, he has a little survival kit bag that he takes with him. It's got, you know, drinks and food. Uh, and... See, we had Gatorade Zero, two 32-ounce mm-hmm. bottles, uh, or I think, were they 64-ounce bottles? Uh, they, were they, I... they were big. They were big. Two of those of Gatorade Zero. We had Combos, which is one of my favorite snacks. It's your staple. And unfortunately, when we went to Kroger, they only had pizzeria pretzel, and they didn't have pepperoni pizza cracker. I but know that's you okay. Like that one. Uh, you know what? We were getting it. We just wanted to get it done. So I had those. I had chocolate Teddy Grahams, which uh, if you would like to send some of those to me via email, I will accept them. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but I will take chocolate Teddy Grahams. I had Chex Mix, and uh, gosh, oh Ritz Bits sandwiches. Yes, uh, those were the the snacks, and then we also got. It wasn't all salty, terrible snacks. Uh, we also had grapes and oranges as well, just like for halftime of the soccer game. So, <laughs> but you know, Anne goes with and puts together this little survival kit because on on race mornings, on the digital side, what I do is my responsibilities are to live blog the race and live tweet the race. And so you can't really even get up and use the bathroom because if you do, someone's going to crash or you just don't, it's a sporting event. It's unpredictable. So you don't have time to take 10 or 15 minutes to eat a sandwich or anything like that. So I just kind of snack and do my live blog and, and, and all that stuff. Complicated this year was the fact that, you know, since it doesn't air locally, if it aired on ABC, our station runs some different uh, stations from around the country, runs their master control and our we we have some ABC affiliates so we could tune that in house and watch the race and it's easier to live blog a race that you can see well we don't have an NBC affiliate because the the IndyCar uh, left ABC last year and now they're with NBC and the 500s on NBC we don't have an NBC affiliate in our group so we couldn't tune that in house 
Uh, we could get the in-house IMS feed, but it doesn't have graphics or sound or anything. It's just cars going around the track and cutting to, to different uh, things that are going on. And if you're not, it's hard to figure out what's going on, you know, because you, you just don't know. So I listened to the race this year on, on radio and live blogged the race that way. And then about halfway through the race, people discovered that the NBC Sports app, even if it was re- even though it was region locked, was allowing people from the Indianapolis area to watch the race through the sports app. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know. Like, a, a story in the Indy Star said that, that IndyCar knew about that, but I just, and approved it, and I just can't imagine them with their blackout being like that. But, so I was able to watch the last part of the race, and, 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 uh, but I mean, it was weird because I have, I was watching four, kind of looking at four things at once. I had the IMS feed, which was slightly ahead of the radio feed that I had. So it was, Things that happened in the IMS feed, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway feed, were happening before I heard them on the radio, but it was not too far apart. I also had race control, which is the IndyCar standings, and those are in real time, and that was ahead of the IMS feed, which, of course, is ahead of the radio, and then the radio <laughs> was ahead of the, the NBC app feed that I was watching. So I had, like, four feeds going. I had IndyCar race control on a computer monitor. I had the IMS feed on a TV I had the race streaming uh, audio of the radio network into my earphones at work, which is my primary information. And then I had on my phone for the second half of the race, the NBC feed of the race. So, and I was explaining this to one of my coworkers and he's like, wow, you're like in four different time universes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like somehow you've managed to, to split time. I don't know. You're your own Marvel movie. That's awesome. But no, it, it's a long day. Uh, I get in at 5 a.m. on those days, and I don't. I didn't leave till six, till a little after six. So that's a that's a 13 hour day, and I can't complain too much because I mean it is all. It, it is mostly a day at, of desk work and stuff. It's stressful, but you know I don't have to be out there at the track where it's hot. I don't have to run around the pits with a camera or anything like that. And like if you work in the pits, you have to wear a fire suit. And if you're a camera guy or a reporter, and can you imagine me, you know, as much as I, as hot as I get at running around there in a fire suit on race day on like Memorial Day weekend would be a very bad thing. Yeah. I need like, I'd need like eight Gatorades (laughs) to do that. Yeah. But it'd be a good way to lose some weight, I suppose. (laughs) Lose about 15 pounds in a day doing that probably. You really could. But, I mean, people have a really long day covering the race, and it's it's no exception. And, and really, the, the race started a little bit later this year uh, because NBC wanted to have a longer pregame, pre-race, pre-game. pre-race <laughs> show. So they started the race about 30 minutes or so later this year. So the race didn't you, – the race usually gets over around 3, 3.30. This year it didn't go over until around 4, a little after 4. But then again, they had a big crash, like, within the last 15 laps, last 20 laps of the race – and they had to red flag it. So they basically had to stop the race for about 20 minutes. So yeah. you combine the 20-minute red flag stoppage with, like, the 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes that you push the race back because NBC wanted to push the race back. Then, you know, you get into, you get into the race leaving later. And for most people, I think, to go to the race, it's not a big deal because a lot of people, you know, they're off on Memorial Day anyway. So And they know it's going to be an all-day thing anyway. But I did wonder, like... I felt like they start started the 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 replay, the the rebroadcast. I felt like it started really late this year, and I don't know if they did that to try to accommodate the audience since they were starting the race later or yeah. or what. 
but hmm. it's a good time. You did you listen to the race this year? Then you would I have did. had to have. I right? listened to the race live. I usually try and listen to the race every year, and it was a good it was a good race this year. It was a good start, and really, you know, usually I'll just hang out at home and do some housework or something. Usually I go out and do the flags for Memorial mm-hmm. Day yep. at the cemetery. But usually I'll be listening to the radio wherever I am. So usually I'll listen at home or in the car. And this year I just did some stuff around the house and listened to the race. And I took a nap and woke up just in time to hear who won, <laughs> hear the end of the race. And it was it was a good end of the race. And you know it's the end of the race because the guys on oh, WIBC, they hit, a, they hit a certain octave, don't they? They start screaming and you're like, what's going on? I don't even know what's going on. You're so loud. <laughs> Now, and I'm not a race aficionado. I mean, really, honestly, the Indy 500 is about the only race I care anything about. I do get into it. I mean, they have the IndyCar GP here that they do a couple weeks before the race. And it's a big deal here in Indianapolis. And I do love the IndyCar stuff that's there. But um, I will tell you that I actually rewatched the end of that race. Did you? I, I DVR'd the race. And I watched the end of that race again because it was pretty amazing. They had two guys. They had basically three guys that were running there. Takuma Sato, who finished third. Alexander Rossi, who finished second. And Simon Pagano, who uh, was the pole sitter and went wire to wire with the race win. Um, but it was, you know, Pagano pa- Rossi passed Pagano near the end. And then Pagano passed him. Rossi got him again. Then Pagano passed him and then just held on there at the end. Meanwhile, Takuma Sato, and I can't remember where he started in the field. But, but he came he, he from was back nowhere. There. He came flying like a bat out of hell. And, it, I mean, even the IMS radio commentators were like, where did Takuma Sato come from? You know, they were just, like, losing yeah. their minds. I thought he was going to Sam Hornish it and just pass everybody to win the race. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But, you know, this year, Pagano won. So. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was, I mean, it was a really tremendously good race. They didn't have a lot of problems. Like, they, they had a couple of caution flags, but they were not huge. But that red flag that they had at the end, that was bad. Yeah. They, they had a wreck that, that took out five cars. And so they had to spend a lot of time cleaning up debris and stuff. I know. And poor Graham Rahal. I love Graham Rahal. And he was, and he was in there. He made it. He was so close to making it through the race without crashing this year. And then about 20, minute, 20 laps till the end, he crashed. He was in that five-car crash that you yep. were talking about. And it was like, oh, man. Because poor Graham, he always crashes at the 500. He had I don't some, think he's ever really run a race where he hasn't crashed at the 500. He had some choice words for Sebastian Bourdais, who oh. he blames for that crash. And, like, you could see they showed the like, – the cool thing about the IndyCar stuff, and I guess they do this in NASCAR too, but they've got those cameras on the cars. Yeah. And so, like, they have that over-the-shoulder shot. And, like, you can see after they make contact – and then, like, Graham Rahal and Bourdais, they both sort of spin out in the same direction. And you just see, like, Graham Rahal shaking his <laughs> fist and, like, gesturing at Bourdais. Like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Now our day is ruined, you know? Yeah. Well, but, at least you know Graham's okay if he can yeah, do that. He was, he was fine. <laughs> but he, he took every opportunity he had to tell people how bad Bourdais had screwed up. Oh, so. man. He, yeah, he... Bless him, he always gets in a crash, and he's always pissed off at somebody. And he, he was running a good race, too. That's yeah, the, that's that's the, the sad, sad part. Thing. They, they, were both, they wouldn't have caught, I don't think, you know, they wouldn't have caught 
Sato and Rossi. No, and but it would have been but, nice for him to actually finish yeah, a race. The yeah. 500. Has he? I don't think he's ever finished a 500 without a crash. That that's a good question. I'd have to I'd have to Google it, and that's beyond the scope of this program. So any IndyCar people, just drop us a line. <laughs> All right. Well, we went off on. A yeah, we did. We didn't expect to talk about the Indianapolis 500 two weeks later, but you know, there you go. So anyway, we 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 are probably uh, the, the friend of the show, Dean Bankin, has spoken today via text, like the <laughs> oracle of texting. <laughs> I love it when Dad texts. <laughs> So great. It d- does it feel like sometimes like he is like this emperor sitting up on the dais and he's and just he is like, deigned to speak to the rest of us. He by has a decreed text. that this thing is going to happen. <laughs> so anyway, it, it started out. Your dad was telling me that he was he wanted to watch Endgame again, and so he was going to because uh, he saw it once. We told you guys about the surprise trip in Arizona where he went to see Endgame, and we were like, "What?" It was rather a surprise. He wants to see it again, so he's starting the MCU movies with Civil War, and so he was asking me what the order of the movies is. Because you'd be the perfect person to you ask. Know, to, to know. So I was talking to him about that. And he was confused as to where, like, Black Panther stood in the in the, in the timeline of everything. I'm like, well, you, Black Panther, you remember, came out before Infinity War. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then Thor Ragnarok came before that, and so we're all good. And then I'm like, well, we should probably go see it again because it's, it's, now, in a, it's now, like, in its second month, I think, of release. And movies just don't have legs at the box office anymore. So, if you can believe it, Endgame this weekend is only in one theater there at AMC. Wow. It's only, only playing in one, and it's one of the smaller ones. And, I mean, it makes sense. It's been about eight weeks for release, so, I mean, the Blu-ray will probably be out in I'm a couple of months. I'm impressed it hung on so well. And it's made $2.7 billion. It has not beaten Avatar. Forbes doesn't think it's going to beat Avatar. Too much, too, too much of an uphill climb to get, like, that last $80 million or so. Because they're not getting much from the domestic box office, and they're not getting much from the international box office. Everybody, you know, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, in a way. Everybody wanted to watch that on the weekend that it came out, because they wanted to be able to see it on their own, judge it on their own, and be able to participate in the conversation with everybody. So the box office was very front-loaded. I mean, we're like us, we went to see it twice on opening weekend. We're not alone in having seen it twice in in the opening week. And there are some people, Kevin Shanks, saw it like three three or four times uh, the week that it opened. So, but that's how it got that big, huge box office record opening. But it just hadn't had the, the legs. And not so much the legs. It's just, I mean, the next topic we're going to talk, we're going to go see Endgame again. We're going to go see it on Sunday with, with friend of the show, Dean Bankin. But Ann and I will probably go see a movie on Friday night, we've decided. And the reason, you know, that Endgame, I mean, some people say, ah, it's, all, all movies have box office competition, but I mean, really, if they'd put that movie out, like, in December, and had just an unrestricted run of very little competition until, like, March or April, then that, that would have been better for its box office, wouldn't you have said? Yeah. Because now, we want to go see a movie, and we haven't been in a little while, and they're starting to stack up on us. Uh, as to the movies, and we got to get back into the swing of things. So, we're looking at uh, uh, there are five movies out right now that we would like to go see, and we're trying to pick which one we're going to go see. And I think we've finally decided it's going to be Aladdin. But the movies that we wouldn't mind seeing right now, this is in no particular order. Well, it's sort of in the order of of the most recent. So, <laughs> Godzilla: King of Monsters is just came out last weekend. Got mixed reviews. Uh, box office wasn't where they wanted it to be, but I've heard people say it's fun. Uh, there's Rocket Man, the Elton John movie, 
and Anne's a major Elton John fan. Yes, we and, must see Rocket And really Man. wants to see that. So I told her I'd go see that with her. Aladdin is a remake of the animated movie, and I always liked Aladdin, and I would like to see that. I've heard some good things about it. So I, I hope that that's good. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. We, we really loved John Wick. Did we see either of the John Wick movies in the theater, or did we wait for both of them we on video? We watched them on video. Yeah. Isn't that bad? We're old enough that we keep saying it's on video instead of DVD. I or... don't remember. Was it on VHS or beta, Anne? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about floppies at work today, floppy disks. Oh, wow. And uh, Oregon Trail. We were talking about when we used to play Oregon Trail, and you had, like, a disk to put in the computer and it was just like oh my god it's just times have changed it's amazing to have lived so long to see so many different things happen you have died of dysentery (laughs) one of the most famous lines in all of computer games i just remember that the the kids in school when when we we were you know allowed to play apple or uh, oregon trail and like the apple twos and like the boys didn't care about like the bartering and stuff. They just wanted hunting. to hunting. They just wanted yeah. to hunt, hunt hunting. Yeah, hunting. I think was everybody's favorite yeah. thing. It was so much fun. And every once in a while, you get a deer, a deer. But the big one is if you got a buffalo. Yep. That was yep. like major stuff. And I, I remember that it was risky sometimes to ford the river. Sometimes yes. it worked. Sometimes you would pretty much lose your party. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, oh, little Timmy has been swept away <laughs> by the river. <laughs> And then the other movie out there, and this was one that is probably not a priority for us, but we wouldn't mind seeing it either, would be the Pokemon movie Detective Pikachu. Yes. Uh, because we, we're not, we, I couldn't tell you anything about Pokemon. I know nothing about I know Pokemon. nothing about Pokemon. Yeah. But, we um, missed that train, Yeah, I that, think. that was just a little, I guess I was a little bit too old for Pokemon yeah. to, to be a thing. Did your brothers get into Pokemon at no, all? No, no. I think that was even past them. I think it was like maybe... Mainly like really early '90s okay. was when it was really popular, and so I, I never got into. I was never into anime. They had, of course, a Pokemon uh, anime show and stuff. But that said, I know nothing about it. But when we saw the trailers for Detective Pikachu, we thought it looked pretty good. We were surprised it, it looked, looked cute, really cute. Yeah. So I think, in order of preference for me, it would probably go Aladdin, John Wick, Rocket Man, Godzilla, and Detective Pikachu. If I were to rank the movies in order of priority of seeing them, what what, what would your ranking be? You'd probably move um, Rocket Man to the top spot, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'd probably do Rocket Man, Aladdin, John Wick, Pokemon, Godzilla. I mean, and I don't get me wrong, I love Godzilla, but I feel like Godzilla has just been done to death. There have been a lot of it. And yeah. Godzilla, it can be like a fun Sunday movie that you just want to go see and yeah. enjoy, yeah. you know. You don't have to. I don't yeah. expect much out nope. of Godzilla. It just, you know, seems like a fun fun movie. Sort of the same way with Detective Pikachu. I, I don't know much about Pokemon, but sometimes you just see a movie and you're like, oh, it's cute. I want to go see that. And that was sort of how I felt. It's the same way with Ugly Dolls. I mean, oh yeah, we didn't I, see that one either. Of course, I would it tanked. love to see Ugly Dolls, but you know, it was one of those two where you know it wasn't something I was absolutely dying to see. But I thought it was so freaking cute when we saw the trailer. I was like, oh, look at the unit, so it is with gibberish cat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, gibberish cat? <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's a great... Check out the Ugly Dolls trailer. That's the best part of it. So we'll probably go see a movie Friday night. My money is on Aladdin. 
And then I promised Anne I will take her to go see Rocket Man. Yeah, after that. it'll be fun. We should go see Aladdin this weekend for sure. It'll be a whole new world with Will Smith as the genie, which will be kind of weird. It will be weird, I think, for people who are big fans of the original, just because it's so sad because the genie was Robin Williams and Robin Williams was the genie. Yep. You know, he yep. really put a lot of himself. And back then, you know, they, the artists, the animation artists, actually put the features of the person who was playing the character, the voice actor into the actual character. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So He looks so much like Robin Williams, the original genie from Aladdin. And so it's just, I think Will Smith will do well, but it is, it is hard. It's the same thing with with Mufasa in the Lion King. You know, they use James at Earl Jones as their reference, so he's kind of got his mannerisms. Now, of course, they don't have to worry about James, somebody else playing Mufasa because they're using James Earl Jones for their, their remake, which I guess the box office projection for The Lion King right now is just through the roof. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's one of the biggest shows on Broadway. I mean, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great show. And, I mean, I... I I'm I really excited. liked the Jungle Book that John Favreau did. Oh, he did amazing. So I think Lion King will be. I that think really, be incredible. Jungle Book really set the stage for Lion King. I think everybody was kind of like because they had had whispers about the Lion King for years mm-hmm. about how they really Disney really wanted to redo that, and they were sort of testing out um, the animation and if it could be done with Beauty and the Beast, and they were testing it out with the Jungle Book. And I think once the Jungle Book came out and everybody saw it and it actually looked good and believable. And we know that like almost 90% of that is CGI. So everything, you know, looked so good that everybody was like, oh, well, hell, you know, we can, I can believe the Lion King now, you know. So I think you're right. I think it will be an excellent movie. I'm still a little miffed that they're not using Elton John to sing but, you know, I'm a big Elton John fan, so I can't... You can't always get what you want, like the Stones Because if we did, then Scar would still be Jeremy Irons. I know! I'm What's a little salty about that. I yeah. like it she would tell Edgy of Four. I'm not saying that I don't, yeah. but... It's just too bad they couldn't bring back Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is it, so it's, good. It's more fun, I think, more fun and nostalgic, especially if they want to get money out of people our age, to get as many people from the original back as you can and pretty much know? it's just james earl jones yeah really it's just james earl jones and then beyonce is like nala mm-hmm. that's and she's gonna be singing the opening of you know which okay you know that's fine she has a beautiful voice but it's just like i just don't it's just sort of like when ariana grande sung you know beauty and the beast and i was like why can't I think you part just... of me died with that one. Yeah, it's part like, of me died. Why just couldn't a you part. bring back Celine Dion? I mean, I know Celine and Peebo are ridiculous. I mean, if you've ever seen the music video for Beauty <laughs> and the so Beast good. from like 1992, it's so good in such a 90s it's way. So ridiculous because we have, of course, we own like three different versions of Beauty and the Beast because I love Beauty and the Beast. But one of the special features is the old music video and sometimes just for kicks and giggles if we're watching the dvd we'll turn on the old music video and we just laugh oh it's so good oh my god we laugh so hard and it, it it would just be fun to have that you know, but it was nice that they threw her a bone and gave her how does the moment last forever? Which yeah, was very good. It was a good song, but still, 
I, I, I feel like nostalgia wise, I really wish that they would bring back some of the original yeah, musicians. Especially since these remakes. I mean, let's face it, is it's all a nostalgia push. Oh, exactly. You know, it's getting, something it's that money for them. people our age can, you know, can share with their kids. And if that's the case, then I'm surprised because, you know, a lot of the people our age would have shown the originals to our kids. Right. So they would know the voice actors. They would know the music. They would know who sung the songs. And so it would make sense that they would, you know, they would bring back people. But, I mean, obviously some of the people have passed on, but you would think they would try and do as much as they can. But that, you know, like you said, it makes us a little salty. But what can you do? We're not Disney. We're not the money machine. We just go see the movies. Our main discussion lasts a little bit longer than I thought it would. So it always does. What are you talking us? about? Giving people, giving people content. The internet <laughs> craves it. So that brings us to our favorite segment. Wait for the jingle, everyone. <laughs> what are you reading? What are you writing? What are you writing or reading today? And what you didn't see is that I just did jazz hands in the background. We both did. <laughs> so, Anne... What are you reading? What are you writing? And uh, what are you listening to on audiobook? Uh, right now, I'm not really writing anything, but I am listening to an audiobook. Uh, the audiobook I'm listening to right now is Gone Girl by um, Jillian Flynn, which uh, was made into a movie, I'm not sure how many years ago, but. It wasn't too long ago, a few no, years ago. No, it was pretty recent. And um, it was made into a movie with Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. It's basically like a mystery as to uh, a woman, a man and a woman. They're complete opposites. Uh, they move back to this guy's hometown and um, his wife goes missing and they don't know what happened to her. So it's just, it's it's fascinating. So far, it's pretty good. I can't complain. Have, have you seen the movie? I have not. Okay. I, have, I, have I haven't not either. I knew, the the, I knew it was one that we hadn't watched together, yeah. but that doesn't mean you hadn't seen well, it. Well, and it's in the same vein as like Girl on a Train, which I really liked Girl okay. on a Train. I the, didn't the book see, or the movie? I didn't see the movie, but okay. I did do the book. And the book was excellent. So, highly recommend that book. But yeah, Gone Girl's sort of in the same vein as that. You watching anything interesting? Uh, right now I've been watching um, my British uh, TV. and So um, the Acorn subscription, is that something we're going to keep? Yes, oh, okay. I enjoy it very much. Good to know. Um, I recently finished um, a series called Hidden, and it, it takes place in Wales, which is fascinating because... Um, Everybody speaks Welsh in the show, so it's like 75% of it is like subtitled. Make of that what you will. Some people like shows with subtitles, some people don't. I had a really great show that I enjoyed very much, um, and it's still on. It's called The Sniffer. You can actually find it on Netflix, but it's a Russian uh, crime drama, and uh, it's all in and, and tried to draw me into that one, and I'm like, But the I... minute Matt heard the word subtitles, he was like, uh, no, thank you. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, I love shows that have subtitles. That does not bother me. But it is kind of annoying because sometimes, especially, like, if I'm off work and I just want to, like, do stuff around the house and have a show on in the background. Yeah, you can't have you one can't of those shows really, on in the background. Yeah, you can't really have a movie or a show on in the background if, you know... If they have subtitles, because you, you have to concentrate. 
So, but yeah, I really enjoyed Hidden, and um, obviously I finished Vera, which um, I had been reading the mystery novels based on the books, is what the show is, Vera. But um, yeah, other than that, that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? Well, I, I bought a new Android tablet a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you did. And I did not want to pay a lot for one, because I'm thrifty. Uh-huh. He's only thrifty with certain things. He he likes to shell out the big bucks for, like, technology and certain other things, but he's thrifty in other areas. <laughs> but for, for a tablet that I was basically just going to use to uh, reread my books in Microsoft Word yeah, and to use a Kindle app for, I didn't want to, you know, pay $200. It's not worth $200 for me. Thankfully, a couple of the people that I watch on YouTube, ETA Prime, who does a lot of video game emulation videos and Lon Seidman who does uh, Lon.tv and he reviews tech gadgets and they both brought these Walmart tablets to my attention. Walmart has started its own in-house brand of tablet uh, called On, O-N-N, and they're very inexpensive. The The 8-inch version is $64. Oh, wow. And it's pretty much the same specs as like the Kindle... HD Fire 8, and I just, I, I almost bought another Kindle Fire, because you've got a Kindle Fire, you love it. The problem is, I use my Kindle not just to read Kindle books and eBooks, but I, I need the Microsoft Word app on that as well, because I will, I, I can't, I write and I sit at a desktop and I can't read through my books on Microsoft Word. Um, sitting in front of the computer just drives you insane. Um, so... I use Microsoft Word. You can open your documents in the app in Android and read your books that way, make notations on them, make notes. If you see, you know, you've misspelled something or something doesn't make sense, you can put a comment in there. And then you come back to your desktop later and all that stuff is just in the document because it's all saved in the cloud. The problem with Kindle Fire tablets is they do not have a Microsoft Word app. Otherwise, I would have just bought one because they're they're good value, and I mean, I'm an evil person, so when I do buy books, they tend to be through the Amazon Kindle platform, although I do borrow a lot of books from the library as well. So I, I decided I'd, I'd try this Walmart tablet, and it's worked out really well. So uh, it's nothing fancy. It's, it's fast. I have an LG G-Pad from like four years ago, and it's just, it's just got to the point where Android's not updated anymore. Everything lags. It's slow. So I needed to replace that. And yeah. I did. So I got a nice little folio cover, you know, for it with a with a faux leather You can cover. cover it up as much as you want, but it was just an excuse for you to buy more technology. It was. <laughs> and to try something new. And uh, that new thing is a cheap Walmart tablet. And uh, it works out. But I really, I mean, honestly, the Galaxy tabs and stuff, I just think they're too expensive for for what they are yeah and i don't need an ipad so this is a good compromise and uh, the only thing that you would notice that's from walmart is on the android menu screen at the bottom is there's a little walmart symbol and if you click on that it takes you to the walmart apps because what they're trying to do is they're trying to compete with amazon so they have their own ebook platform that's done by kobo and so you can buy ebooks from there and what the other thing that was nice about i will say this is they also gave you twenty dollars to spend on books Oh, nice. Actually, they gave you $30. You've signed up for an account, you got $10, and then the tablet came with a $20 voucher. I haven't read them yet, but I bought the Star Wars book about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, cool. Called Master and Apprentice. And then the other book that I bought 
is about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. <laughs> Andrew Johnson, boy, boy blunder. blunder. So that'll go well with my current reading selection, which is Manhunt, the 12-day search for Lincoln's killer by James L. Swanson. Came out a few years ago. It's about, uh, you know, John Wilkes Booth and his plot to assassinate President Lincoln, which it really initially started out as they were going to kidnap him and try to ransom him for the South or some ridiculous thing like that. And then he decided he would just kill him instead. And, uh, you know, he spent 12 days on the run, the, the most wanted man in the country for killing President Lincoln. And it's very interesting, especially because there was a period for a long time they didn't know where he spent four or five days. There was just this gap as to, to where he was. And several years later, I mean, it was in the late, 19th century they they found the guy who had kind of uh taken care of him and his accomplice and not really accomplice but the guy he was traveling with and took care of them and and hid them for several days until they could get somewhere else but it's really interesting stuff i've got one chapter left and uh booth just bit it so wow uh, they found him they locked him in a farmhouse and burned it and then somebody shot him so he's dead but, uh, no, the South did not rise again, John Wilkes Booth. And he was, it was funny because he, he you know, he was an actor and he liked being famous and liked to have people hold him in high regard. And so he was shocked when people handed him over newspaper accounts of the assassination of President Lincoln. And all of a sudden, President Lincoln, who he thought, you know, he was the most hated man on the face of the earth. He hated Lincoln, hated what he was doing to the South and for African Americans and all this stuff. And uh, he was surprised to read in the newspaper that people were treating Lincoln as a martyr and some great president. He was, and that they that they thought that he had done an evil, vile act. He was shocked by this, huh? And well, kind of pissed off. And just because I'm a history buff, I will throw in one little tidbit. And I don't know if you know this. Probably you do. I don't know. But for those of you who don't know, one of the most ironic things in history about the Lincoln assassination was that John Wilkes Booth came from a very notorious family of actors. And um, about three years before, and I'm not exact on the dates, but I know that a number of years before the Lincoln assassination, Robert Lincoln had been drafted into the military. Now, his mother did not want him to go. But his father knew that it was a matter of pride for Robert to be part of, you know, serving in the Civil War. All of his friends were going and he, he allowed didn't want special treatment. Yeah. So he allowed his son to be enlisted and he was at a train station. He was getting ready to board a troop train. There was a surge and he stumbled and he almost fell into the path of an oncoming train. And the man who caught him and pulled him back on the platform was John Wilkes Booth's older brother. Wow. Who was a very famous actor at the time. Yeah. And was actually in town at that time for a performance and was getting ready to board the following train. But yeah, I always thought that was really fascinating. I had read that somewhere once and I thought, that's so interesting that, you know, and then just a num you know, a short number of years later, his brother assassinates the president and becomes like public enemy number one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But it's it's a really interesting book. Just kind of tries to put you in the mind of Booth and, you know, the people who were hid, hiding him and, and that sort of thing. Really enjoyed it. It's been a good, I think it was a Kindle free read or something like that. So definitely worth worth a look. And it's a little bit shorter than the Ulysses S. Grant book, which is <laughs> always a welcome 
<laughs> and that thing's still sitting on my nightstand. Yeah. And I just think about how long it took to read that book. Oh my god, that thing was a monster. But it's I crazy. did it. I read it. I'm very proud of you. Uh, did you ever read the Ben Bradley book? It's it's on the docket, the next real book I actually read. I thought that would be fascinating. I was watching Netflix the other night, and I just wanted something normal and familiar to watch, and I ended up watching All the President's Men. Oh, yeah, that's normal and familiar. And, <laughs> and I was just thinking about, you know, as a journalism student, when we were in school, I just always admired the hell out of Ben Bradley. I always thought that was really fascinating. And so when I saw that book for you last Christmas, I was like... I should get that for Matt. I bet he would enjoy reading Well, it. and it's markedly shorter than the U.S. Grant book. Yes, so. it's about a fourth of the size of the U.S. Grant book, if that helps anyone out there in the Seriously, audience. you could kill a person with the U.S. Grant book. It's pretty crazy. Just slam them, and it's the paperback, and you just slam them right in the head, take care of all your problems. How many pages was that? I don't remember. It was, it was over 900. What's the longest book you've ever read? I don't know page count-wise, but it, it probably would be those Game of Thrones books. Okay. It would be a toss-up, honestly, between the Game of Thrones books. I don't know what their literal physical page count is. It'd be a toss-up between those, uh, the U.S. Grant book, and the Alexander Hamilton biography, because that's also okay. quite a long book. But I don't think it's. I don't think it was still as long as the Ham as the the Grant book. I think the longest book I've ever read is Vanity Fair by yeah, I William Makepeace Thackeray. You've mentioned that before. It's like a thousand pages, and. Uh... It's like the old school language. It's like oh, I bet that it's takes written, forever to read. It's written like Pride and Prejudice. And the you know what the you know what the craziest thing is? I read it just for my own just for fun. Entertainment. I did not read it for class. I remember I read it in college and it was a good book. I mean, it does, you know, you have to be familiar with that vernacular you have to be used to i would recommend reading like jane austen or some other books to kind of you know prepare yourself because you do have to kind of you know it is a slow read if you're not used to that vernacular that was was grant was that gifted to you to me by you yep that yeah. was my gift to Couldn't you remember because was that the one you had uncle bill get yes okay yeah, yeah. I, See, had him I, I get that, that confused in my mind because i keep thinking that bill got it that it was from bill but it was oh, really from you yeah he wrapped it though and that's you know Anne had grandiose reasons for reading vanity fair the only reason i read the grant book is because she gave it to me for christmas and i knew that and how much obligated. you loved i knew how much you love ulysses s grant so. yeah it's it a very interesting book I, I learned a lot about the guy so uh and the the, the booth book is, is good too it's called manhunt again as far as writing's concerned you know i did some polishing on six stones to peggy based on Anne's suggestions which I sent to her, and she has still not read. I forgot that you had sent that to me. Until you said the other night, I sent the new I'm version to you. I'm just kidding. I wonder kidding if you. it didn't go to my regular inbox in my email. Might have gone to your spam. I may have to look in my spam. And if not, I can I can resend it or send it to a, a different email. I will read it. I cut a few words from it, but it's still functionally the same. So that's done. Watching wise, we're just we we're, we decided we we're going to rewatch all of Game of Thrones, and we're about halfway through the second. Because we're sadists, <laughs> but we do need to make time to watch Chernobyl because that needs to be watched. Because I've heard good things about it. A couple people from work said the fourth episode is quite disturbing. I don't know really? why. I haven't seen it, so but no, it, it's only five not or dead six episodes. Children or animals? I can't handle that. Well. I, do you, do you think I should just watch it and no, then report I'll watch back? it with you. I'll watch it with you. But I just But like ugh. I mean, okay guys, we we talked about this, but like in the first episode which was really really good, a bird fell out of the sky 
and it traumatized it me. It traumatized, <laughs> and we haven't watched another episode for a month now. We need to watch. We it. need to watch it. All right, I'm gonna gird my loins, and we're gonna watch it this weekend. We should. Do that. I, I mean, one of the guys at work who's a huge Game of Thrones fan is like, "Well, does your wife watch Game of Thrones?" I said, "Well, yeah." So there's nothing that that's worse than Game of Thrones. Like, oh, well, that's that's good. But it's like a different. Okay, there's a difference. It's for a me, fantasy world, right? Okay, you know. For me, this is gonna sound very strange. But oh for boy. For me, I would rather see someone's head get chopped off than watch a bird die, fall out of the sky and die. I I can't. Or children suffer and die from some terrible illness. I can't do that. I would rather watch a dragon. Burn someone alive than that. Well, and those are just extras and they're not important anyway. In King's Landing. <laughs> so anyway, I think that will wrap it up for this edition of the Matt Adams On that podcast. Happy <laughs> <laughs> we talked X-Men. Uh, we got into a, a, a fun but unexpected conversation about the Indianapolis 500. Uh, we have some movie selections to, to, to pick up on. And, of course, what are you reading? What are you writing? And, uh, that uh, again, that will do it. So you know where to find me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Statomatty, S-T-A-T-O-M-A-T-T-Y, at Statomatty. The email, matt at mattadamswriter.com, matt at mattadamswriter.com. And, Anne, what's your Twitter handle? Wherever Matt is. <laughs> I tried to fool her this week, and it didn't work because she's smart. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.